0: Thank you for tuning in to the WAM podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hello, and welcome to Women and Manufacturing. I'm Lydia DiLiello, the CEO and founder of Capital Pricing Consultants, and I have the opportunity today to host WAM. And our guest today is Sarah Walton. Sarah is a very distinguished guest who has had a very strong career in corporate America, and we're thrilled to have her with us to talk about the most salient topics going on right now in corporate America. So, Sarah, welcome to the broadcast. We're thrilled to have you with us.
1: Thank you. Excited to be here.
0: So, Sarah, do you want to give the the listeners a little bit of background on yourself? You have a really unique background.
1: Yeah, sure. So, i spent about 15 years in corporate america um, between target and nike um, and i believe i was in about 11 functions um, so very sort of non-linear uh, career path but had the opportunity to do a lot of really interesting things um, and so everything from strategy to merchandising product sustainability to pricing um where we had run across each other um and then uh ended my sort of last role within operations um and the the thread sort of between all of them um was around sort of transformation uh change building uh transforming sort of teams or or projects and work so really interesting and unique very much so and i know when you
0: and i spoke initially you talked a lot about it really being mostly about the people, no matter what function you were in. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? I know that's a passion of yours.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think every job that I have had, um, it was amazing because of the people. Um, and I think I always try, tried to choose places where there was good energy, good people, um, but also tried to attract good energy and good people. Um, and my favorite part of my job, any job that I had, was always the opportunity to lead the team. Um, and and create a space where people could thrive and and see potential in people that they didn't even see in themselves. And I think that's
0: huge as a leader to, to give people the opportunity to see potential that they haven't yet realized or have not yet recognized for themselves. So that's a tremendous thing. So with all of that energy and flow behind you, You have now entered into what is becoming known as the Great Resignation. So congratulations on pioneering and being part of that pioneering group. Tell us about how you got to this point and and when you got here
1: um, and kind of what it's all about. Yeah, for sure. I, I read something that said 2021, the year where people congratulate you for quitting a job. Um, instead of getting a job. <laughs> and it's it's funny how since it's been about six weeks. So I resigned from my position at Nike. And the first question I got was, what are you going to do? Um, and, and the second thing was, congratulations, that's so awesome. Um, and so I think for me, it was, I just didn't want to do it anymore. Um, and I had always loved my job. I was one of those annoying people who sort of jumped out of bed on Monday morning excited to start the week. Um I really truly loved what I did. Um and then I just hit sort of a point where I didn't love it anymore. And I think some people are more comfortable staying there for longer. I'm not comfortable there and so I feel like life's too short. Um I sort of need to find my meaning and my joy. And if it's not what I'm doing right now, then I can find something else. Um and so the decision was pretty quick for me where I just decided I didn't love it and then I sort of said I I didn't want to work here anymore and um it's been awesome. Um and I think I I thought maybe I would have some regret, you know, walking away from options and and sort of an 11-year career at one of the most incredible companies. And I really haven't. Um I feel more creative, I feel more energetic, I feel more present. I feel more mindful. Um, I feel like I'm sort of living the life that I was meant to live versus the life that sort of inertia had put me on. So
0: not only were you talking about inertia, Sarah, but you also were talking about leaving what was really a a lucrative and a substantive career behind. Um, When you and I were talking uh, earlier, you shared some interesting things with me about the progression that led up to this decision. And I think with all of the things going on in supply chain right now, our our listeners and viewers would be very interested to hear about the story and kind of what led you to this decision.
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, we talked a little bit about my love of people and leadership and team, and that was always my why. Um, And then, you know, I always had a job that was sort of hard and interesting, and I always wanted to sort of drive change. So I always took the hard jobs. and so the job that I was in most recently was very hard. It was, you know, sort of changing the way that Nike sort of buys um, during a time that sort of everything uh, within operations and, and sort of procurement and industry is, is difficult and changing. Um, and it's important, but it's sort of deeply under sort of the engine of Nike. Um, and so sort of getting the, the mind share and the space to be able to do what we needed to do during sort of this this unprecedented unprecedented time was was really difficult. And I sort of found that like as sort of you know COVID and, and sort of all the challenges within the supply chain started to increase my ability to do the things that really fill me up sort of decreased. Um, and I had less energy to be the type of leader, um team builder that I that I want to be, and that I sort of, you know, am proud of being, um, and, I, and I was just a problem solver and a fixer and a supply chain captain. Um, yeah, go ahead. No,
0: I was just going to say, and you shared with me that you have small children. And so um, supply chain and small children, to me, seem mutually opposed, just automatically. And then when you add in pandemic and combining supply chain and pricing together, I'm guessing you were working 80 to 90 hour weeks without yeah. a problem at all.
1: Yeah, it was crazy. I actually, you know, on your cell phone where you can have all the different alarms, I had one that was like 3.30, one that was 4.30, one that was 5.30, five. And it was sort of like each day, depending on sort of what was going on, I would sort of choose the the alarm. And, and I always sort of tried to th- like balance the, the children and the work. And so I'd move my work really early Um, And then when the kids would get up, I'd sort of help with the kids, get them off to school. And then when they then work all day, you know, Zoom meetings, and then when they would come home, I would truly try to put work down. And then I would sort of ultimately pick it back up. And I found that, you know, I'd get people who are like, it's amazing how you balance it all. And I'm like, what? I I don't know that I do. (laughs) I just have moved it into the margins. And so it was sort of then that I sort of realized, like, I don't think if you're, a top performer and you wanna be good in all aspects of your life and you have as much going on as I do, I don't think work-life balance is possible. Um, and so it's sort of like, I tried to flip it around for myself and I was like, what if I thought about it as life work balance? So plan all the life components and then figure out where the work fits in. And I just couldn't fit in the number of hours that were required to do my job well. And I'm not a clock puncher. I'm not an 80 percenter. Um, I have two speeds, they're zero and 150. And so if I can't give it my all, then I can't do it. Um, And so that's what it really came down to when I sort of really looked at my values and then the situation that we're in, the job that I had, the Mm -hmm. team that I had that needed me, it just, it wasn't possible.
0: And I love your statement, Sarah, about flipping it and making it life work balance, because I think that really speaks to what is so important now Uh, really across all generations and around the globe in terms of, I think the pandemic has brought into sharp focus for everyone, this whole idea of what am I really getting out of this? And and am I getting as good as I'm giving? And, And do I feel fulfilled in this? And so I really applaud your stepping out and saying, okay, you figured out the equation and it didn't come out in your favor. So you changed the equation. So now what are you channeling all of that energy into and what would you recommend to our viewers that if if they're looking at this and saying, my math
1: isn't coming out in my favor either, what do I do about this? Where do I go? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first thing is I think everybody's waiting for something, right? Mm-hmm. They're waiting to get rich. They're waiting for for retirement. They're waiting for mm-hmm. the weekend, waiting for the evening. And I think it's like, to me, my biggest piece of advice is stop waiting right and and start just taking putting one step in front of the other right and like how do you actually build a plan toward the life that you want versus the life that you have and and for some people it might be the difference it might not be the same sort of plan that i had which is i'm not happy anymore and a month later i quit mm-hmm. right and, and it might take more planning and sort of more getting there but i think for me i see so many people that are counting down the days to the weekend and they're counting down the hours and the minutes to the end of the day and they're counting down life until retirement, which is like, for me, sort of a travesty. And so that, that's my sort of biggest piece of advice. And I think the, the how for me is I sort of am am spending my time and energy in three buckets. Um, so first friends, family, the things that like, sort of, you know, give me the most meaning and purpose, Mm -hmm. Um, two is figuring out how to help other people. So like, for me, I'm the daughter of a therapist. So I've spent my entire life sort of as a therapy project um, and <laughs> helping people understand themselves and like understand what really makes them tick and understand what they want and like helping people sort of through coaching to, to reach their happiness, right? Because I feel so privileged, so lucky, so joyful. Um, I want to help other people get there. So that's bucket number two. Um, and then bucket number three is I'm super passionate about real estate. Um, and I think, you know, real estate is one of those places where if you think about life work balance, some some of the work has to be passive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be able to sort of create income um, without 150% effort uh, and some hours of the day so that you can spend those times present with kids, family, loved ones, working out, whatever it is that that you want to make more time for. Um, and so real estate is one of those areas that affords the opportunity to do that. And I love real estate. I wanted to be an architect when I grew up. So just the idea of like houses and space and how we use space. I wanted to be the kind of architect that creates koi ponds and waterfalls. Um, and then I realized it was a lot more 1800 square foot subdivisions. Um, so I so I chose a different path, but I love thinking about sort of real estate, walking through houses, um, helping families you know, have safe um, um awesome and sustainable places to live um so that's sort of bucket 3 so that's like my my plan um is to to give to those buckets um sort of more and 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 I'd say the fourth if there's a fourth is you know helping the world and community and being more available for volunteering and um giving back to my community
0: and you certainly have really hit upon i think what resonates with every woman, especially relative to, when you talked about, uh, Sarah, this passive income, I think it's an area that men have been especially good at for as far back as I can ever remember having conversations about business. And in my case, that's a while. So um, decades worth of conversations and always hearing men talk about, well, that reoccurring check that just shows up that I'm doing nothing for and that money and nothing. Um, And I think there's a song out there about, you know, money for nothing. (laughs) Um, But I think the fact that you're advocating for women to do this and think about this, how do we provide for ourselves in a way that is not always active? I'm sure in the beginning, the real estate part is extremely active. You have a timeline where you have to be totally absorbed. But then once Mm -hmm. you get past that, it becomes the passive and you put it onto a program where it continues on basically with with light touch. Fair
1: statement? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think the amazing thing about something like real estate is you have the opportunity to help so many small business owners. Um, Because again, through whether it's property management, real estate, uh, maintenance, painting, um, a lot of those are small businesses. You can hire big businesses, but you can also hire small businesses. Um, and so I love that about it too, because it really like sort of helps you em- enable and sort of empower communities, um, which has been sort of a really awesome benefit that I, that going into it, I didn't even realize.
0: So it really feeds both of your passions because now by doing this, you're, you're enjoying the real estate piece, but you're also giving all of the small businessmen and women an opportunity to participate in this. And as your company continues to grow, you'll be building them up as well because I think anytime any one of us engages a small company and they do a good job, we're inclined to re-engage them, and so that becomes a great cycle. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you're also growing opportunities relative to uh, the the idea of small houses.
1: Yeah, so I'm really passionate about you know the the housing crisis and sort of how we create interesting solutions um and so really sort of looking at different ways to use land different ways to think about housing home ownership getting people into home ownership it's something that again i think everybody knows but but to sort of even more recently is like how inequitable um home ownership has been um and i think it's such a great way to build wealth um it's like one of the best ways to build wealth and it's so inaccessible and it's it's scary and it's terrifying and um, it's confusing and there's a lot of paperwork. And um, and so I think for me, it's that, how do you kind of help people um, get over that fear um, and understand it, understand the process, understand, um, you know, people say, well, I don't wanna have to all have all the costs of running a home. And it's like, well, but you can also think about the tax benefit of that and the equity and you're paying rent to somebody versus paying rent to yourself. Um, but I, I think for me, small housing, um, can be one of the best ways for us to think about getting more people into home ownership. And so taking land and sort of creating smaller parcels and getting more people, um, in that land to own it is sort of a a passion project of mine. Um, and working with, you know, communities on, on, you know, many communities want to help the houseless population as well. Um, or people who maybe aren't houseless, but, but aren't homeowners, um, move, move to ownership So it's really interesting and exciting, but it is one of those things where it's, it's, like all the aspects within sort of construction development, um, are, are heavily male dominated. And I think it can be intimidating, especially if you don't have the education or you don't have a, a parent or a friend or somebody who is even a realtor, um, understanding, um, you know, I, I I talked to somebody who said that they didn't have enough money to pay a realtor, and I was like, well, if you're buying a property, you're not the one that pays the realtor. Um, and so, just like yeah, making it more accessible for people um, and more sort of equitable.
0: But I think the idea of education as part of that accessibility, because as I as I heard you explaining, you're you're reaching out to people, you're talking to them, you're educating them, you're giving them the tools to be able to understand like this. I assume it was a woman who was saying, "I can't afford a realtor," not not realizing mm-hmm. that she didn't have to pay that part of the transaction. So leveling that playing field is so empowering, and giving women the hope to say, "There is an opportunity for me. There's a starting point. There's someone who's going to um, not belittle me because I don't know," right? Which I I have seen um, uh, occasionally. I won't say often, but Where someone who is well intentioned offers a service, but then the clients don't feel really comfortable engaging in it. And I think this is the exact opposite because your approach is so down to earth and so easygoing. And hey, here's how we're going to do this let's get you in a house. Yeah. It's tremendous. And it serves the community, it serves the small businesses, it serves the individual. I think this is a wonderful calling, Sarah. And I think of all the times for you to decide to be part of. The, the great resignation and migration, it's, it's perfect for that.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think I, I saw a quote that was like, you know, the difference between the life you have and the life you want is courage, right? And so like having the courage to take the step and, and creating a community around me that's super supportive of sort of taking that step. But then how do you sort of bring the world with you, right? Mm-hmm. And so how can I share what I know and sort of lessons I've had and you know, the 30 some odd years of therapy I've been into, um, to like help sort of people, um, have that same courage to move themselves forward. Um, because again, it is one step and then a step after that. And, and it can seem so daunting or, or sort of terrifying, but, it, but it really doesn't have to be.
0: So talk for a minute relative to the courage and the therapy. I know when you and I spoke, you talked about going into the boss to say, this really isn't for me anymore. and and
1: I'm done. um speak to that a little bit if you would, yeah, I think so I had sort of two different types of conversations. the conversation sort of leading up to that with mentors who are like, you know, I would go to them and say, I'm thinking about resigning. um am I crazy? And I heard from them, like most of them sort of the 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 thing that I wanted to hear, which is no, right Good. if you if you don't feel like this is this is what you want to do anymore, go do something, right? You can take your power elsewhere. There's lots of things that you can do to be successful. Um, And then from other people, I had heard the, I think you're making a mistake, right? Or are you sure you're not making a mistake? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's easy to waver, right? In those moments, but I was so clear. I was so sure. I never doubted um, that I was making the right decision. I think part of that was just i I'm so grounded in what I know that I want, and I want life work balance. Um, and and I knew that I couldn't have the career that I wanted in the space that I was in and the values that I have and hold dear. Um, and so it was I had a series of good conversations and a series of interesting conversations. but, it's interesting too how many mentors and sponsors you have that really want want what they want for you um, versus what you want for you. Um, And so there's a lot of people who are sort of like, oh, but this isn't what we had planned, you know? Um, And it was like, well, this is what I have planned. (laughs) Um, And and maybe that's not sort of, you know, what we had planned, um, but this is what I want. And, And it was amazing how much support I got from people. And like I said, in 2021 is only the year when we people say, you quit your job, congratulations, that's awesome, good for you, Um, and so, yeah, I haven't looked back a day since I left. That's fantastic. Did
0: you find, Sarah, that the mentors that you had, um, was there a difference in terms of generation and whether they were male or female as to whether they were feeling afraid or saying, you're crazy, don't do this, Versus embracing it and saying, you know what, go find your passion and
1: follow it. Yeah, I think there is a difference. I think there's people who have been sort of more in their career for longer and have a more traditional approach to work, which is, you know, you come in at eight, you leave at five and you do that until you're 65 and then you don't do that. Then you don't work. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that the younger folks are thinking like myself is like, I think we have to completely shake up how we think about work. (laughs) <laughs> right, because everything's different. Um, the world is not the same. Let's stop stop treating it like it is. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I would rather work for longer because I can't imagine myself not having anything. Um, and I'd rather work fewer hours uh, now so that I can sort of stretch it out longer. And I think there's people that saw that. Um, and and sort of I I think about it. I'm in the prime of my life right now. Right, I'm still able-bodied enough to do all the things that I want to do. I have kids who still want to hang out with me all the time and think I'm the coolest. Um, And, and, and so for me, I'm like, now is the time for me to take time and energy to do the things that I want and be really present and active in my kids' lives and go on the hike that I want to go on. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if I sort of save it all up, I'll have time and, and, and money, but I won't have the body and the ability and my kids will have their own lives and I'll be sort of the person that's stopping by saying, don't you wanna hang out with me? Remember when you said we were gonna to live together forever? Um, and so I, I think, you know, that's that's the thing for me is I think the generations get it um, sort of just differently. And, and there's not a bad way or a right way or a wrong way. It's just, we're a product of our generation. Um, and I think for me, I think about it as, I think we have to prioritize life a little bit more than we do before the age of 65.
0: And I think that that's a, a great approach to it because stretching out, quote, a career or an active engagement with some form of work that you find valuable to me makes so much more sense than kind of this burn the candle down till you've got absolutely nothing left. And then are you not as able-bodied as a result of mistreating yourself working 14-hour days every single day for all these years, um, which I think is very much kind of the old school, the old guard. And to your point, the world now as a result of the pandemic is so different and I believe it will continue to evolve and that those who can embrace this and say, I need to work differently. I need to be open to different approaches. I need to explore things. That's where your courage comes in. Um, I think even if just being willing to explore, because I think often women will say, I'll explore later because it exploration doesn't feel so safe or so cozy. Um, right. And then we miss opportunities because we forget, we can always say no, but we yeah. ought to at least walk to the end of the road and find out because in your case, walking down that road has produced a, a life that it looks like you are loving and that is working out really well for
1: you. Yeah, it was interesting. I I always sort of always tried to learn more about leadership. And um, I listened to this podcast around Generation Z and managing Generation Z and uh, the beginning of the podcast opened with, um, we should actually learn from them instead of them learning from us. and And that struck a chord with me because it's like, you know, I think the the generation Z gets the sort of um reputation for not wanting to work hard and like wanting to like come out of the gates as a VP um and not have to earn their stripes. And you know, they didn't sort of come in early and stay mm-hmm. late. Um, and I think it was really interesting because I'm like, we do have it wrong, right? Mm-hmm. They have it right, which is why would I stay late? (laughs) Right? Like, you know, I can just pick it up when I when I can, right? I'm gonna go to the yoga class and I'm gonna sign on later and do the thing. And like, why would I have to be glued to a desk from eight to five Monday through Friday? Um, and what does it matter? What is this all for? Like, what am I moving forward? Like if I work for a company or brand that doesn't have meaning or isn't adding value to the world, like why am I doing it? Why would I work here? Why would I? Why would I sort of give my sort of valuable life to a company that doesn't sort of have meaning? And I was so struck by it because I had a little bit of the like, okay, I just have to figure out how to get these folks more motivated so that they're like, you know, going to work a little harder. And then I totally changed my perspective to say, I'm actually going to watch what they do, right? And I'm going to see a little bit of like how they act. And it Mm is, you should learn from them because I I think they- have it even more right um, than sort of millennial generation
0: um, does. No, absolutely agreed. Well, Sarah, any final thoughts here as as we close out our interview? It has been a pleasure to speak with you and to learn about the whole resignation movement and how it's revitalizing the young workforce and amazing things that you're doing to help the community as well as... um, individuals and grow yourself is fascinating
1: yeah no i would just say to people listening like take a step um every day do one thing towards sort of the goal and and don't let inertia drive you um and and again take advantage of this time where it's sort of the the common place to to change things up and and make a different move and it can seem scary, but again, the only thing between you and the, do- the, the job you want, the life you want, whatever it is, is courage um, and taking that step. And surround yourself by people who help you get there um, and not people who tell you all the things that could possibly happen, because so what? You fail, you fall off, you get back up again, um, you'll be fine. Um, and, and that's where like, I think the fear of of what could happen is paralyzing to people and so sort of unfreeze yourself um, and just take one step, one thing every day. Um, and you'll be surprised a week later, a month later, a year later, how how far you've come.
0: Well, Sarah, thank you so much for those words of wisdom and for sharing your experience and your journey. And we look forward to, to circling back with you and seeing how your journey is progressing and how your real estate ventures are progressing as well. So thank you no. so much for being our guest. Please, folks, remember uh, that if you're looking for great manufacturing news, trends, and interviews, that you can see us on five of our different podcasts, including Manufacturing Talk Radio, the Women and Manufacturing Podcast, Manufacturing Matters, Hazard Girls, and Manufacturing Partnerships, Making Waves. We thank you very much again, Sarah, for being our guest, and until next time, I wish you all well. Thank
1: Thank you. you. Thank you for joining the Wham Podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.